Welcome to another edition of WVD Monthly, presented by Zintegra, with your host Andy Whiteside and Pete Downing, your source for all things Azure and Microsoft WVD. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of WVD Monthly. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. I've got with me uh, the CMTO, Chief Marketing Technology Officer of Zintegra, Pete Downey. Pete, how's it going? Good, man. How you doing, Andy? It's uh, it's going good. I'm actually up in Boston this week, and uh, my daughter's birthday is today, so pretty cool. Oh, cool. I didn't honestly, I didn't know where you were. Yeah, so uh, I'm up, up here and spending my week with her and getting. Uh, getting some time with her and, and just happens to be her birthday today. So going to see her right after. So I wish her happy birthday. Um, you know, should I, ask, should I ask the obvious question here in Boston? It's the end of October. Has it gotten cold yet? Uh, it's I'll say it's very fallish. It's not Charlotte weather, but it's uh, definitely, um, uh, you know, a little cooler than what people down South are used to. <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget my one and only, my one and only trip to Boston so far in my life. I'm 47 years old tomorrow. Uh, I went and it was, um, late October. I may have told you a story a hundred times and it was like a 75 degree day. I've never seen so many people outside moving around. Like it just unbelievably happy to be outside. This is the, I believe the summer after the the year where you guys got like 12 feet of snow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny when you live up here for so long, it's, uh, it, it, you know, the April, May timeframe when it starts getting warm, people just get, get super excited and, and all that, but definitely uh change of pace being down in Charlotte more now. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's cover this topic here. Uh, what we're going to cover today is the September announcements, September 2020 announcements for WVD. And we'll start off with the first one here. Uh, we've optimized performance by reducing connection latency in the following Azure geographies, Germany and South Africa. That is that, is that exactly what it says it is? Yeah. So, I mean, you, you know, you've got to remember that, um, you know, WVDs come on almost being out one year. I mean, they had launched it officially last year at Microsoft Ignite. Uh, this time last year, actually a couple more weeks this time last year. And when it first came out, I it, don't quote me on this, but it was, I think, six regions that it was available in across the world. And then you know, Microsoft made a commitment to continue to grow uh, the amount of regions that WVD is available in. So this, is just, this just shows that they're committed to the continued growth of uh, expanding the reach of uh, WVD to lower the, the round trip time and latency. Does this mean they're actually putting compute in these locations or they're just putting um, connectivity there and then backhauling it to somewhere else? No, my understanding is they're, they're enabling the compute aspect of it. So the, obviously the managed control plane uh, aspects of the front door. So, you know, if you've ever set up RDS on-prem, you know, all the key pieces, you got your broker, the gateway, uh, et cetera. They're essentially doing a managed offering up in their cloud on top, you know, that you don't ever see because that's the art of it, right? You just got to connect to your WVD sessions and then you can put WVD uh, workloads inside of the supported geographies. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that makes it very simple, right? It's, uh, that's what they're doing. And I guess that also enables countries like Germany that probably wants their intellectual property and, and the compute that accesses it in that, that geography as well. Right. 
Oh yeah, correct. And the, yeah, that, that's a great example. Uh, you know, as we know, Europe's a lot stricter with, you know, sovereignty of data um, and, you know, GDPR, et cetera. So having the data remain within the, the sovereign boundaries of a country is very critical. Canada is another great example. I know, you know, when I was doing work up in Canada earlier this year and late last year, having data centers in Canada was critical too, even for Citrix. So, so yeah, the, the location does matter. And, uh, you know, again, this is a great, you know, this is just great to see that Microsoft's committed to continue to grow uh, the regions and the reach of WBD. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely, it would be a stretch to say, hey, you used to have a desktop that was on your desk. Now it's in a cloud somewhere. And by the way, it's in a cloud in another country. Yeah, I could see where that might be a problem. Yep. So it's uh, it's good. And, uh, and I'll, at the end, maybe you know, if we got time, I'll cover some roadmap stuff that I, I know is coming and we can sure. see if it actually comes out before the end of the year. <laughs> we, we can go as long as you want, as long as I get home for dinner. That's all. All right. I'm joking, kind of. You got a birthday to get to, so here's more important than mine. Uh, it does have a call out here about something called the experience estimator. Have you used that before? Does it does it really work? Yeah, yeah, it's a great tool. Um, I equate it to, you know, you run it uh, and it tells you what your closest front door is uh, for a supported uh, WBD data center. And it gives you kind of your average uh, round trip time um, in the app as well. So when I talk to administrators, I say, Hey, you might want to share this with users in various regions to get kind of a, a snippet of, uh, data, you know, just so you can understand what potentially what data centers you should focus on. Um, and you know, it's just a good little tool. One of the things I'd like it to do is potentially be more scalable. Uh, you know, meaning like, Hey, I don't have to send it to users. I could simulate and say, Hey, I'm sitting in Chicago today and what's the nearest data center I'm sitting in LA what's the nearest data center um, and you'd be surprised like you know you could run it three or four times in a row and you might get a couple different responses from different data centers so it's kind of interesting to see that as well right well yeah I, uh, I often use the I don't know talking point of hey your your compute used to go from the system board uh, to the monitor of that little bitty cable uh, now it's got to go hundreds, if not thousands of miles and latency does matter. But the way these protocols work today, it's, it's gotten so much better than it, than it would have been even a couple years ago. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, the next section talks about some, some things, uh, some new releases. This, this first one is the, uh, the windows desktop client for the windows virtual desktop world. Um, it's like 1.2.1364. Uh, and I think a lot of that's uh, related to fixes they made. The first one talks about a fix where SSO didn't work on Windows 7. Any idea what that is? Yeah, so the well, the remote desktop client is unique because you have to use it in order to connect to uh, WVD. So it's a separate uh, client. You can buy it. You, you can get it not buy it, but you can get it in the Win 10 store now. Um, and, you know, part of that is Microsoft is, you know, committed, obviously, through action. You know, we don't work for Microsoft, but, um, you know, just seeing how many times they update it in the, in a quarter is, is kind of interesting. So this is a great example of, you know, they're always maintaining the client. So, yeah, so they, they had issues with single sign-on in Windows 7. Um, so they were able to address that. You know, I think the the next two bullets are interesting because they address teams, right? And teams is, as you and I know, is becoming more and more prevalent, especially with this whole remote work strategy. And I actually have a, a customer who uses teams within the virtual desktop, inf- you know, s- scenario, and they need teams to operate as efficiently as possible. So you know, obviously Microsoft is committed to ensuring that their own product works inside of a WVD session. Um, and they continue to improve uh, teams, 
you know, with media, video, audio, et cetera. So the, the middle two bullets are, are very focused on teams and making sure that it's highly optimized for uh, WBD scenarios. Um, so, you're, so you're calling out here that just in general, online meetings and, and, and voice and, and video, bi-directional, as well as, you know, soft phones, those are all things that are harder to do inside a virtual desktop. And the fact that somebody's using WBD means they already own the office license or the Microsoft 365 license. And so Microsoft's doing everything they can to make teams kind of a, a first-class citizen inside WBD, right? Yeah, yeah, correct. And that's a great way to put it. So, um and and you continue to see improvements. Uh, I mean, just from day zero to now, it's it's a lot better. I mean, they didn't have any optimization when they first launched WBD, and now they do. Is it, you know, uh, is and you know, so it'll be interesting to see how this evolves as as the you know the next six months comes out. It'll be interesting to see what other products do as well. Will they be allowed to be optimized in WVD or will you have to move to a uh, Citrix or a VMware if you want to use other products and have them optimized? What do you, what do you think will happen there? That's yeah. that's what I, that's kind of what I was alluding to is it, it'll be interesting to see if they, they go down, if zoom is going to be allowed to optimize themselves, are they going to create a SDK or, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if they do that because, you know, obviously not everybody wants to use teams, but in our world, heck, I think I was on three different platforms today, you know, cause I talked to three different vendors, you know, um, I, I kept track of it. I was on five different platforms today. Yeah. So, so, so at some point I'd, I'd love it if Microsoft released like an SDK to, be able to, Hey, I'm zoom. I want to optimize inside of WVD. Hey, I'm, you know, ring central. I want to optimize it. So it'd be nice to see, but it, I think, yeah, you still have your, your preferred partner, which is Citrix. And obviously Citrix has done a great job at optimizing media within the ICA protocol. So. And, you know, we found uh, that if you have enough horsepower and the latency is not too bad, if you have enough horsepower on the, uh, the, 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 the virtual desktop and, potentially on the endpoint, you can, you can have a pretty good session, even when it's not optimized, but optimizing it and offloading it to the endpoint just makes a massive difference. Yep. No, I agree. And so it'll be interesting to see, uh, cause let's face it, virtual meetings aren't going away anytime soon. So, yeah. I, oh, I got to tell you, I was, uh, I know you're a marketing guy. I think I may have alluded to this already with you, but I, uh, crossing the chasm, the, the technology marketing book that, uh, that I'm listening to now. And I'm sure you, I know you listened to in the past, they made a reference in there to online meetings and, and web share and, and video sharing during the online meetings. And they made a reference how that was never going to take off. Cause it's just the techies that like to do that kind of stuff. And as I'm listening to, it, I'm like, yeah, well, all of a sudden a pandemic shows up and everybody's meeting online and turning on webcams. And I guess they never predicted that would actually happen. Yeah, that's true. But they, they use that as the example of only early adopters will ever do that. I'm like, Oh, well, I guess that, that wasn't true. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, next one seems a little trivial. It says uh, added a need help with settings linked to the desktop settings page. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So the, you know, again, this is just, uh, I'd say the last two are, are good examples of just quick bug fixes and, and enhancements to help the users with the, the client, right. Need, you know, need help with settings. It's going to link them to uh, the various options. Cause what, what I'll be honest with you, when I first started using the client, I accidentally found the ability to right click and figure out how to full screen and not full screen and all that. Um, and, and now they just kind of put it in your, you know, they put it out there now to make it easier. And then the second one is, you know, obviously yeah, I, I do the high contrast dark themes all the time. I love them. And uh, they had an issue with the button not showing up properly and they were able to fix that. So, you know, minor trivial stuff, but again, usability, right? So let's face it. If it's not very usable, users don't want to use it. 
therefore your project's not going to be too successful. So your goal is to ensure the usability of a product, right? Yeah, absolutely. Are you talking about, uh, and not that it really matters for this, but you use the dark themes on your endpoint or on your virtual desktop or both? I, I, I love dark themes in, uh, inside everything. Like I use an Outlook. I use it in the client for remote desktop. I mean, I use it whenever I can now. It's just easier on my eyes. <laughs> you know, that, that's why I'm asking that question because I think that's something I got to move to. I'm, I'm going blind here all of a sudden, especially this last six months of staring at a screen all the time. Yeah, no, it's a... Uh, I love the dark theme and, you know, especially in uh, Outlook because you're looking at Outlook all the time. So, yeah. So here's another example. Uh, this next one talks about, uh, you know, listening to the customers, finding issues within the uh, remote desktop clients. When I say remote desktop client, is that the same thing as the WVD client? Are those synonymous? Yeah, they're both the same thing. Yeah. And in last month, uh, well, in August, 2020, Microsoft released the official store app of the remote desktop client. And obviously there was a, critical bug found and they, and they addressed it very quickly. So, so kudos to Microsoft for jumping on that. But yeah, this is just another good example of uh, Microsoft, you know, taking action when the user community found an issue and, you know, for being, you know, net new, I mean, it was net new as of August, 2020. um, And this just shows that they're able to address the issues pretty quickly. So yeah, there's the remote desktop client that gets installed locally and then you can actually get it now through the Microsoft store if you're on win 10. And, and help me with my ignorance here, because I thought the remote desktop client was part of the operating system. This is a different remote desktop client. Yeah. So this is, um, you know, you have your built in, you know, RDP, right. And that version does not work with WVD. You have to actually download and install a remote that de- what they call the remote desktop client uh, for, you know, that's specifically for, you know, WVD and, and, and can be used for in conjunction with RDS environments as well. So, um, so yeah, so it's a separate client, and and if you don't have it, then you're not going to connect WVD. <laughs> yeah. Now I have a question for you on this: the remote desktop client that you get from the store, that's a uh, like an x86 traditional Windows. I forget what they call them. I, I listened to so many podcasts about it back in the day. Or is it uh, a modern app? Or is that or does that concept not even exist anymore? No, it's it's both. It's uh, a it's a traditional you know x86 app, but it's also the, this this bullet here is addressing the modern app. So the modern app is what just got launched uh, in August, 2020. And, um, and then this, yeah, this just shows that, you know, Microsoft jumped on the bug pretty quick uh, for yeah. the modern app. So. Yeah. Okay. Do you, do you remember what they called, what they officially called the legacy apps? I, oh, I forget. I'm, I'm brain farting too. You like right click on the, any of them and you can put compatible ability mode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I used to listen to uh, windows weekly all the time and they for months and months and months, they talked about modern apps and, whatever the legacy apps are called. And it's been so long since I listen. I don't travel as much. I don't listen to nearly as many podcasts as I used to. Yeah. All right. Um, next uh, bullet here. Let's see. Talks about, we've added feature that lets you change your VM location, image, resource group, prefix name, network config as part of the, uh, the workflow for adding a VM to your deployment in the Azure portal. Okay. What does that mean? Yeah. So when you, uh, well, before, you know, early days of, uh, the, I'll call it the ARM support for uh, WVD. Um, once you you know named the VM, you named an image, a resource group, et cetera, it you uh, you couldn't change it. Um, so you you know now what uh, because you know you know in our world in the EUC world you might have a data center change or you might have a location change. Or you might want to when you redeploy a VM you might want to tweak the naming. Um, so it's a little different than your traditional you know, static, you know, data center workload. Right. Um, and so 
uh, before, um, you know, Microsoft, you know, with the WBD uh, portal and Azure, you weren't able to change any of the naming schemas or any of the locations, et cetera. So uh, now when you add a, a VM to your uh, the deployment group, um, you can now change location, name, uh, et cetera. So it get, it's a little bit more flexible. Because, you know, I mean, you know, in our world, in the EUC side of the house, it's you might want to tweak your naming a little bit or you might want to you didn't you don't like the naming of the VMs and you want to tweak them a little bit, you know, so mm. uh, or you know, you might find out that data center X is, you know, location Y, you know, data center X is faster than data center Y. So you want to move locations. So things like that. Um, and Microsoft's just making it a little bit more flexible. Um, yeah. That's always been a complaint. Like, you know, my biggest thing is like, if I named the VM, I couldn't go and rename it after the fact I had to, you know, it was, you had to do it through PowerShell. And if you wanted to rename your networks, you had to do it through PowerShell. And so they're just trying to make it easier from a interaction point of view, in my opinion. So, and is that just the referenceable name within the portal or is that actually changing its active directory uh, name um, as well? This, in this case, it's the referenceable name in the portal. Um, so the VM location, the image, the resource group, prefix name, the network config, like that's all stuff that's con- uh, associated with the deployment. Um, and before you couldn't, you couldn't change any of that. Now you can. So that's what, how it's displayed in the, in the UI. Um, okay. so when you like, you know, you might deploy a, a, a virtual machine and say, you're going to use network X and then you, you find out, Oh, I don't like the way network X is created. So I'm going to create network Y and redo it and make sure it meets all the needs of my security guys, let's say. And when you redeploy it, you want to point it to network, you know, X or network Y. So, you know, just, it, again, a lot of the stuff was very static prior to this change. So. Okay. okay and then the last bullet here talks about it pros can now manage hybrid Azure active directory joined windows 10 enterprise VMs using Microsoft endpoint manager is, is it Microsoft endpoint manager? That's the same as into. Yeah. So basically, uh, this is allowing you to, yeah, they're, they're, they, they've rebranded Intune to Microsoft Endpoint Manager. Uh, and you can now manage uh, Win 10 Enterprise desktops officially, uh, GA, uh, through the Endpoint Management tool, as long as they're, you know, Azure AD joined. Uh, and then parallel, you'll be able to manage uh, Win 10 Enterprise multi-session uh, VMs uh, as public preview right now, and it'll be fully available later this year. And and there's some benefit to doing that that way versus doing it through the WBD portal, or is it just uh, an option? What's what's that doing? Um, it, it's more from a security, you know, point of view, and and um, you know, are you fully patched? Are you not? Uh, you know, are you a trusted device? Not trusted device? Uh, you know, so compliance and security is the big driver there. So, you know, now you can pull them into the endpoint manager tool and make sure that they're fully patched, uh, make sure they're meeting your compliance complexity, uh, et cetera. And, you know, the endpoint manager obviously manages not only windows, but iOS, uh, you know, iPads, Mac OS and Android. Um, so it's very, you know, it's just another, you know, endpoint management tool, but the value here is I, you know, my takeaway personally is, is more around compliance and security and making sure the devices are fully patched and meeting the, the baseline requirements for your enterprise. Okay. Well, Pete, that's the end of the things they have listed in our article we used, but you said you had a couple other things you wanted to, to go through. Well, yeah. So I, you know, it's funny. I follow, there's a roadmap and, and I'll send you the link and you say you have it and you can always poke around, but you know, I just always look at what's in development. 
Um, and there's some really cool stuff coming, but I, I think you'll find a couple of these funny and I just want to call them out. You know, if you go and look, there's a lot of geos that are going to get added. So, you know, obviously Microsoft's very committed to extending the, the reach of WBD. Um, but what's interesting is, um, you know, you go and look and they have like, for example, Windows Virtual Desktop protection from screen scraping, right? So they're going to they're, they're gonna launch a feature later this year where you can protect from uh, screen scraping and sounds familiar, right? So, you know, my, you know, our friends at Citrix have been doing that for a while now. So, uh, you know, just like, so you start seeing that they're trying to get parity with some of the the functionalities that their friend, you know, their friendly partners already have. And I just find it, you know, kind of funny to, to watch as this, this roadmap unfolds. Um, but one of the things that, you know, I like is, um, is they're coming out with a feature and they're supposed to be having it in December of this year where they're going to enable the allocated VMs to start automatically when a user connects. So we're like right now, you know, WBD, you almost have to like, you either have to use a third party tool to provision VMs or you have to create like an auto scale setup group or, you know, it's, it's just very convoluted. So they're trying to make the whole auto scale functionality a lot more scalable, if you will. Um, and so I'm kind of excited to see what that's going to do, but I'm also kind of, it's going to be interesting to see what that does to the partner community. Cause there's a lot of partners out there that have built products to, you know, help with some of these stop gaps. So it's going to be mm -hmm. interesting as Microsoft matures WVD, how does it impact the, the partner community? Um, you know, things like, uh, MSIX app attach, right. You, you'll be able to manage that from the Azure portal, um, and not have to do it through PowerShell anymore. Um, you know, so it's going to be, you know, just, there's some interesting functionalities that are coming out. Um, you know, one of the other ones that you'll find interesting is direct connectivity between, between the client, uh, and session host over a managed network. Sounds familiar, right? Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, just like little things like that, but yeah, so I check out the, the roadmap all the time and unfortunately it only goes out to the end of the year. Uh, so I'm only seeing what, what they're doing in the end of the year. I think that's the, what they only allow publicly. Uh, so we'll be interested to see what's going to trickle into Q1 next year once we, they're allowed to launch those ones. But anyway, right. I'm excited. I think Microsoft's made a lot of progress. I mean, you look just for one year, it's amazing to see, you know, what a company of their size has been able to do with this, this motion. And, uh, and again, it's, it has, it's going to be about one year since they launched it in a couple of weeks. So. Yeah. Well, it's, it's always been a conversation. When's Microsoft can get serious about remote computing like this, de remote desktop and app computing. And they've, they've played along for years. And right now they really seem interested in being a major player in this space. And obviously they've got a, they've got a platform to start with, with Azure that is, gives them a leg up. Uh, but they, they certainly have you know, many, many years to catch up. Uh, but how fast they accelerate that's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, um, I'm excited and can't wait to see what's going to be launched in October, uh, even though we're already in October, but they tend to do what an end of month, it seems. But uh, we'll talk next month and, and see how we're progressing. I think one way to look at this is if you go back and look at where VMware was with Horizon and, and they, they, they pretty much caught up in about what about eight years? Like they, they went from you know just a, a virtual desktop with a remote PC connection to pretty much uh, feature for feature with the uh, you know Citrix the leader in the space. Yep. Yeah, I agree. We'll just we'll see we'll see where Microsoft's going to invest. And obviously, you and I know their their goal is to get uh, Azure consumption going, and uh, nothing drives consumption like desktops and a bunch of Windows apps. 
Nope. <laughs> it's great. Especially high end consumption. I, I, I'm sitting here now, you and I've joked about it like twice today. I've got a 32 gig laptop that I'm using to run local labs and stuff on. I mean, a 32 gig something running in Azure as a desktop is, and that thing's going to cost a fortune. But yeah. It's going to go crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, Pete, I appreciate it. I'll let you run and, and go be with your daughter for a birthday. Wish her a happy birthday from us. And uh, we'll get this blog, or excuse me, this podcast posted and, you know, we'll, we'll get prepared uh, to do this again next month. All right. Thanks, Andy, for having me, and uh, looking forward to next month. All right, sir. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another edition of WVD Monthly, presented by Zintegra, with your host, Andy Whiteside and Pete Downing. Thanks to podcast episode guests. Podcast produced by Pete Downing. If you are interested in joining a Zintegra podcast, email info at Zintegra.com. Podcast copyrighted by Zintegra, LLC.